Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today on the podcast, we have the question and answer portion of Scott's 10 Tips to Improve Your Writing webinar. Well, hey, podcast listeners, thanks for joining us today. I think you're really going to enjoy what Scott has to say um, in regards to the questions that our webinar attendees threw out to him. Um, Before we jumped in, I wanted to just review the the 10 tips that Scott said about writing to set the, the stage for our episode today with his questions and answers. So his top 10 tips to improve your writing include write often and write often. Read good writers, revise, revise, and revise some more, know your audience, get good feedback, finish your writing day by starting the next day, shorter is better, be yourself, find your voice and lean into it, write for the church in accessible prose, read aloud what you've written. Hope you found those tips to um, be helpful. Maybe we've already started to put some of them in practice, Um, but I'm sure you might have questions, and I hope that maybe some of the questions that you have, we will be addressing in the rest of our time together in this audio. So thanks for joining us, and without further ado, here's the episode. So these are my 10 suggestions, not five, Uh, 10 suggestions on writing. And I'm, uh, I see that we have got a ton of questions. So Chaz, let's turn to these questions. We sure do. Yeah. You've given everybody a lot to think about and those, not just five ways, but 10, five bonus ways to improve your writing. So um, we've got a lot of questions. I'm going to do my best. um, And maybe we'll be combining some, um, but we'll we'll do my best to get to to all of them. Uh, I think first question here to start with comes from David Moore. And he asks, uh, would you describe the process of how you manage and organize your research? Among other things, do you highlight books, make marginal notes in them, capture key ideas and quotes on note cards, make a working outline for a book before writing, et cetera? What's your, what's your workflow with that? All right. The, uh, this is a good question, Dave. Uh, I know Dave down there in Austin. Uh, I don't know if we were students together, but we were uh, both at Trinity. Dave, um, uh, there's a couple things here. I'm a Bible guy, so I tend to be writing about the Bible. So my notes are in my Greek New Testament or on scraps of paper. Um, So that sort of note. When I'm reading a book, uh, I do a couple things. Uh, First of all, I always mark books. I almost if if I don't mark a book, it's it's something I'm just reading just for the sheer fun of it, Uh, which means I don't read on my iPad very often, which means if I read on my iPad, I'm just kind of killing time. Um, so I believe in, uh, I, I make comments. I do two kinds of, uh, three kinds of things in the, in my books. I underline sentences, uh, but because now I have a little thing called a C pen 3.5 or whatever the number is at now, the, the statements that are made that I really like the most, I draw a line in the margin and put a dot next to it. And those are things that I want to clip and save 
in what I call a commonplace book. And a commonplace book is uh, my former assistant at Northern, Tara Beth Leach's husband, Jeff, created an online application that I call commonplace where I save my favorite statements by my favorite authors. These are almost no, none of these statements are by academics in New Testament studies. They're not from commentaries. I mark those. And as I'm reading, for instance, right now, Greg Boyd's book, uh, I mark things in the margin that I want to highlight when I talk about it and blog about it. Okay, so I do that. I do not outline books, uh, although, and this is something I do in books, so I, I mark, I always underline, and I'm always interacting in margins. And sometimes at the end of a book, I'll write in the, uh, the back cover or inside the back cover, I'll write down things that I want to draw out of this book. Sometimes I'm reading something and it just stimulates a big idea and I just start writing it out uh, at the back of the book. Uh, but I don't outline books. I don't save notes from books. I rely upon notes in the book and my memory. And if I forget, I forget. I don't want to spend my life taking notes on what other people have said. I want to spend my life reading the Bible and thinking and uh, putting my ideas down. Okay. Good. Thanks, Scott. All right. Um, moving on, Ben Rhodes asks, how do you know when something is worth writing about? I mean this from both the perspective of not repeating what is already out there, but also from the standpoint of writing something that is what people need to hear. He also follows up and um, asks what kind of writer, what, what kind of writers and on what sorts of topics does Scott think the church needs? Okay. Um, there are two kinds of writers uh, in biblical studies that I think. There's probably about 20, but I just want to re reduce it to two. Some people write things that I, I would call safe. And they write things and they put things down and they get bound in a book of what everybody believes or what everybody needs to know. So um, uh, it, they, uh, in other words, they're, they're kind of providing a safe textbook type book for people, safe things to think about. Uh, and we need books like that. So uh, we, we probably don't need a book right now that defends the resurrection of Jesus. There's so many of them. Uh, we probably don't need a new book on atonement theory. Uh, but some people think they need to write that. And if they have something, uh, a distinct way of putting it uh, into print, it, it should be done. But I find I am interested in writing things where I think I have something to say that's not being said or not being said well enough. So if you look at my books uh, that I've written, let's say Blue Parakeet, uh, One Life, um, King Jesus Gospel, Kingdom Conspiracy, uh, even my books on heaven and angels. I write those books because I think there are things to be said. Now, both the book on heaven and the book on angels is also pretty safe in most places. But every now and then I venture into saying something. King Jesus Gospel, I I'm irritated by what's being said about the gospel. And I think we got to get back to the New Testament. And so I wrote that book. That book is a critique 
of what other people are saying about the gospel. Kingdom conspiracy is obviously me against the world. Um, and so I wrote that. So I tend to write things that I think I have to say where other people aren't saying it or they're not saying it well enough or forcefully enough. So that's been my pattern. Uh, and I think you're going to have to, if you're going to ask, uh, how do you know if it's print worthy? I think you're going to have to rely upon feedback and, and send it by a couple people. Do, do we need this book? Uh, recently, someone wrote me, uh, asked me to blurb a book on the Christian and homosexuality. And I said, seriously, we do not need another book on this topic especially from the traditional viewpoint. I said, before I open the book, I know what you're going to say. It's wrong, but we need to be compassionate. I said, we don't need to hear that book. That book is not anything new to say. But that person has a platform and some publisher gave him a contract. And so it's going to be in print. I don't think it needs to be print. So I think we need feedback from people from a variety of angles. Do we need that book to be published? Okay. Good. All right. How about Mac Erickson asked this, who are the essential best writers worth reading to improve your own style? Um, this is where uh, I think it's important to answer this question. Uh, who do you want to write for? What audience? And who do you think is reaching that audience as you would like to reach that audience. And every one of those audiences is being reached by people who can write well. So that, that would be it. Um, for me, I have found that I learn about writing for my audience far more by reading essayists who are good, like Joseph Epstein, than I do by reading people who are really good scholars who write about these topics like my teacher, Jimmy Dunn. Uh, he's, I think, is a very good stylist. And N.T. Wright, who is uh, probably the best stylist in New Testament studies today. He's one of the very few who can write academic books 800 pages long and make them interesting, or 1,400 pages long, or whatever it is. And he can also write very accessible books, um, as, as he has done, that, are, that lay people enjoy, uh, some kinds of lay people. So I would say, uh, I, would, I'm, I, I don't want to give examples so much from New Testament studies or Old Testament studies, but instead, I think you need to figure out who your audience is and who is reaching that audience well, and then say, I want to learn to write like that person. What about uh, just generally, and Edmund uh, can ask this question, how can I write in my own voice? What are, what are ways that writers can do yeah. what, are, what are things writers can do to develop their own voice and be comfortable in that um i you know i don't teach book any class on writing so i'm finding myself being asked questions that i i don't know the answer to i would say this um write something and ask somebody does this sound like me uh and you know i don't mean a paragraph i mean 10 pages and say does this sound like me and if they say, you know, not really, or if they say that is totally you. One of my favorite moments uh, as a writer is when people who know me personally or who had me as a teacher read something by me and say, that is totally you. That paragraph, that sounds just like you in class. Uh, that's where I feel like I've been successful. I've been able to be a window uh, to my own soul 
as to how I think and write. So I would say, ask for feedback and say, is this me? And then find out what it is that makes you, you uh, in writing. Good. So one of the, uh, I guess, themes or topics kind of keeps coming up and in, in discerning the difference between uh, a blog post, uh, article, or um, maybe even an own book that a subject or topic might deserve. So how do you discern the difference and know when to write uh, a response or your thoughts on the appropriate platform for what the, the topic may be? I think a lot of that, uh, that's a good question. I think a lot of that has to do with length. A blog post obviously is a, is a 1,000 word or less type uh, essay where you say something. It depends who your blog, what your blog is. Um, and um, an essay in a magazine, which is very difficult to get published today. Most of the magazines that I know are not even accepting manuscripts. They recruit manuscripts entirely. I think it, it hurts the, man, the magazines to do that. Uh, I think it hurts them immeasurably uh, because they're controlling things rather than listening for voices that are out there. Um, but I, I found this, I cannot tell you the number of times I have read a book and said, this should have been a chapter. They had one, the first chapter you thought, this is fantastic. And then they didn't have much else to say. And um, this, this means either that they're repeating themselves or they're just filling in blanks that they uh, felt before. And I, if you read a book, and I, I do this, I learned this from blogging. I try to blog through books. I cannot blog through books where the author gives away everything that she has to say in the first chapter. If they give away everything in the first chapter, I can only blog about the first chapter. Are there sufficiently interesting topics that are almost separable so that you can keep a whole book going? If not, turn it into a, a one, a, a blog series or a, a single study like, a, like an essay or a study in a magazine and then try to find something else to write a book on. I guess to kind of follow that up, Nathaniel asks, when it comes to writing, especially blogging, I have a question about motivation. Can you share some wisdom on discerning a desire to write for the good of the church versus a desire to write for self-promotion slash attention? Yeah, this is an issue because of the internet. Uh, I mean, I think every form of writing is um, is is attention grabbing unless it's, I mean, if you're just writing for yourself, you know, just so people can say, look how smart I am. That's a completely different thing. Um, but um, I, I think that you, you have to ask yourself your motivation. Why am I writing? Who am I trying to help with this? And then find out if you're, if you're helping people, if, if nobody's being helped, you know, change your topic or figure out what's going on and why no one's interested in what you're talking about. But I, I, want to draw, I want to come back to this idea. When you write something, you are promoting your ideas, which is, I guess, a form of self-promotion. You, you, if you write, you're saying, um, there is something to be said, and I am the one who wants to say it. That's okay. That's what writing is all about. And the whole... This is why Paul wrote his letters, and this is why the Gospels were written, and this is why 
C.S. Lewis wrote, and this is why Walter Brueggemann wrote the prophetic imagination. He, he thought he, he wanted to be on the platform and he wanted to say something. So in that sense, if you're a writer, uh, you, are, you are assuming the mantle, you are uh, getting behind the pulpit, you're standing on a platform and you're saying, hey folks, I want you to listen to what I have to say. Uh, now, if all you're trying to do is show how smart you are, which I think happens in academic books of young scholars who try to show how many footnotes they can have, and I have fallen into this myself at times, um, or constantly referring to your other writings. I mean, I, I, have, I know some people who all their footnotes are to their own books or to their own things they've written. I think, ah, uh, that's a little too much. At times, we have to refer to stuff we've written if we've written on a topic. It's only fair to the publisher. Uh, but uh, self-promotion is when it moves from, um, this is what I have to say, to I am the one talking now. And that's, I think that fine line uh, needs to be avoided. You know, we don't yeah. need to cross it. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, so how about from Will? He asks, how, how do you communicate deep theology with clean and ac accessible prose? Well, this is the hard, this is the work. Uh, let me sh say this. Um, it is far harder to write what, what some people would call a popular book than it is to write an academic book. Academic books are piles of information with piles of footnotes at the bottom of the page, demonstrating a person's ideas and proving they're right or wrong, et cetera. To write accessible prose is to, is to measure the length that a topic needs to, uh, deserves or has to have and no more. It requires constant interaction of the writer or the, uh, the speaker and the audience, the reader, and measuring whether this word is the best word to use in that context. And so I, I really believe that it takes a lot of work. And this is what happened with me, with uh, King Jesus, I mean, not with um, Jesus Creed and Lil Copan, my, my great editor. Um, she just really worked me over and taught me so many lessons about making things more accessible. And my wife has helped me with this immeasurably. I give a chat after I write a chapter, I frequently give it to Chris and she'll say, yeah, this is pretty good. This worked. Um, so you got to have feedback and you've got to figure out your audience. Again, we're back to this. Who am I writing this for? And will they understand what I'm saying? That's good. You know, I think we have a few people uh, joining us today, considering PhD work or, or kind of are, are there starting that work already. And um, one of those is Ben, and he asks, um, how can you write your dissertation and at the same time write for the typical church person? Or maybe that's something given your um, advice on audience that's as, as not as important. What do you think? Okay, the first thing I'd say is uh, you should not write a dissertation for a general church audience. A dissertation should be written by a PhD student for his or her PhD supervisor and potential examiners. So uh, when I wrote my dissertation on Matthew chapter 10, which has never been published, 
I wrote my dissertation for James D.G. Dunn, Jimmy Dunn, my dissertation supervisor. And then he left uh, Nottingham and went to Durham. So I, so it shifted. So I, I kept Morris Casey in mind, who was a teacher at Nottingham. And I also wrote it for G.N. Stanton, who at that time I considered to be the world's best scholar on the Gospel of Matthew. So a dissertation, I think, should be written for your professor and your potential examiners with an eye on who the best scholar in the world is on that topic. But that's, that's dissertation writing is not accessible prose. And that's why most dissertations should not be published. I think mm -hmm. about one out of a hundred should be published. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to publish their dissertation today. Mm -hmm. I think it's a big mistake. Hmm. That's interesting. That's good. Any, this is my question, any thoughts on the, the future of, you know, PhDs versus demons and, and maybe what all that might look like or the importance uh, of that for the church? Yeah, I don't want to discourage anybody from what they think their calling in life is, but here's what I would like to say to all PhD students. There aren't very many jobs. So anybody who comes to me and says, I want to do a PhD in New Testament, I always, this is my response. Don't do it unless you want to become a pastor because the chance of you getting a job teaching New Testament is slim. There just aren't that many openings. So do it if you want to be a pastor, but if you only want to become a professor, the chances are you will join hundreds of people with PhDs who do not have full-time jobs. Good. We have a number of questions on Christian publishing, and I guess uh, we'll start just because we only have a, a few, uh, time for a few more questions. But Becky asks, how to get your first book deal with a publisher? Very difficult, Becky. Um, here's what's this is something that has changed. I don't like it. Uh, publishers today look for platforms and they want to know how big your platform is. They wanna know who knows you and how many people know you. And uh, I, I know people who have very big churches who, because they have very big churches, anything they wanna write turns into a book because the publisher's gonna make money on it. I mean, publishing is about, is a business. And I, I wanna tell a story that I mentioned earlier and I don't know if it showed up, so I'll say it again. When I wrote Jesus Creed, um, I gave the manuscript to about six publishers uh, who all turned it down, and one publisher turned it down twice. And I said, I think you should publish this book. I think it's worthwhile. Well, we don't think, uh, this was the common response, we don't think that your audience is big enough. They, meant, they, they weren't using the word platform quite at that time, but they said your platform is not big enough to have to write this kind of book because it takes a lot of money to promote uh, a more popular book well deep inside my heart I said I'm gonna I remember saying to myself and to Chris one time I'm gonna write this book I don't care if anybody publishes it it's in my heart I want to say it and I'm gonna I'm gonna write it and if no one publishes it'll just sit here as a manuscript and I'm very grateful that Paraclete Press uh, through a very odd connection one of my former students Paul Copan introduced me to his sister, Lil Copan, who was an editor, and I gave her the whole manuscript. It really wasn't what exists now, but I gave it to her, and she said, uh, she said, let me look at it. 
And uh, later that day, she met, uh, met with me and said, we'll, we'll offer you a contract for this book. So I found a publisher. Well, the book has sold 100,000 copies. So the publishers who said no were not right. But I, I want you to understand uh, someone like Becky asking this question is that publishers are going to spend a lot of money to publish your book. And they're going to have to know that they can get that money out of it. So I suggest building your platform is the beginning. There's no promises and no guarantees. And you may have to start with a smaller publisher. And um, uh, I, I would say uh, start with a Twitter account and try to make it bigger. And to, I'm not a very good I'm not very good on Twitter. I just link people to my blog, basically. Uh, but <clears throat> build a, a Twitter account and build your Facebook page and try to make it, just think of it all the time professionally, is how, would, how will this help, help people be interested in the kinds of things I have to say? And don't be afraid to tell personal stories because people will want to know who you are, and writers are people. They're not just uh, think agents and, and machines. And then I would encourage you to find places to speak uh, at your own church, small groups. Uh, and I know early in my career, uh, no group was too small. Uh, no, uh, no amount of money was too little. I wanted to find an audience. And I worked at it. And I had the advantage when I wrote Jesus Creed that I had been teaching for, I don't know, 20-some 20, 20 years. So uh, it, uh, it, it takes a while, and, and I would encourage you to do that. The other thing is don't be discouraged and, because you're going to find rejections. I have found uh, rejections from manuscripts. I've tried out ideas with publishers, and they say we're not interested. I still have that. Uh, I still have ideas that publishers aren't interested in. So, and then uh, the other thing is, and, and don't be a pest uh, with uh, writing people and say, would you recommend this book to be published? But it is not uncommon that I, I would say at least once a week that someone sends me a manuscript and say, would you help me try to get this published? And they'll ask me to blurb it, and I'll say, you know, I don't know you. I don't know enough about you to be able to help you. But uh, I would say to Becky and all those like Becky, find people who might be interested in that topic, people that you know, and say, can we meet, uh, maybe have coffee with them, uh, talk to them, spend some time, and over time find a little bit of a, a nucleus of people who might be interested. And, um, and I think that's how it gets started. And, and it's difficult. And it, uh, you may experience a lot of rejection, but that's a part of the publishing game today, is that there is a lot of rejection of manuscripts because publishers don't think they're going to make enough money and it's, uh, it's unfortunate, instead of looking to see if it's a good enough manuscript to help the church um, and therefore promoting it, which is the old style, today's style is how big is this person's platform? We don't care how good the manuscript is. Now, I exaggerated. Most publishers would never admit that. But I think there's more of that than we care to admit. Okay. But at any rate, I want to thank you. And, Becky, this was a great question to finish off. And it's a very important one for so many people. Don't be discouraged. Keep trying and uh, find some people who can help you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you had a wonderful time with us today and that um, 
you learned how to improve your writing a little bit more and um, some certain things that go in accordance with that. So uh, thanks again for joining us. We look forward to being with you next time as we continue our conversation on how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. 